From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. 33 states have expanded Medicaid, the federal state health insurance program for the poor, taking advantage of a provision in the 2010 health care law that offers generous federal subsidies. Misty Williams, a CQ healthcare reporter, reports this week that that figure is likely to grow, pending the results of this November's election, further solidifying Obamacare as the law of the land after the Republican Congress failed to repeal it last year. Misty's here to tell us about it. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. So, Misty, let's review the basics. Why have so many states expanded Medicaid? There is a number of reasons, but I would say the biggest one is that this was a huge opportunity for states to get a bunch of their uh, citizens insured and have the federal government foot most of the bill. Under the law, the federal government pays no less than 90 percent of the cost of all these new people. So basically, states were able to add millions and millions of people onto their roles of insured, reduce their uninsured rates, and how the federal government fit the bill. So, and that was a big plus for for hospitals, for the economy, and a lot of other areas. And the people they're able to add are, are who? People who are just above the poverty line? So it depends on which state, because every state had a different level of income um, in terms of who was eligible and who wasn't. But for the most part, uh, the people who got coverage under expansion were adults, and most of them were people who don't have kids. So most states will cover at least some parents who have children, but many of them before the health care law would not cover single adults. Gotcha. Okay. And so of those who've gained coverage because of Obamacare, Are most of them because of this Medicaid expansion? Medicaid is certainly a huge part of it. Uh, More than 15 million people have gotten it covered under expansion. Most of those were newly eligible for the program. Uh, But we've also seen just under 12 million people who are, at least this year, currently covered under the Obamacare exchanges. So those are the two big ways people have gained coverage. But Medicaid is definitely a big part of that. So the people in the exchanges earn too much money to qualify for Medicaid? Yes, for the most part. Okay. And so given how generous the federal government subsidy is here, you said 90%, why have some states, uh, now it's 17 of them, held out? Good question. For a number of years, there was a lot of uncertainty around the health care law and, by extension, Medicaid expansion. There were the challenges to the law Uh, that went to the Supreme Court, for instance. So a lot of states and a lot of leaders said, let's pause. We don't want to expand if we're not completely positive that the federal government is going to be able to foot the bill because we can't afford it. And they also talk about the fact that, you know, the federal government might pay 90 percent, but the state still has to pay 10 percent. And when you're talking about a multi-billion dollar a year program, that 10% isn't a little amount of money. So those right, are some of right. the... And states are already putting a huge amount of their budgets into yes. Medicaid. Yes. Medicaid is typically, uh, if not the biggest budget item for states, then the second. It's, it's right, right up, there up there with the education. Right, right. Why are the dynamics changing now with more states considering an expansion? 
When I talk to experts, one of the biggest things that they say, and this ties back to a lot of that uncertainty, is Medicaid has been around now. The expansion has been around now for uh, since 2014. Uh, Congress had the whole repeal and replace discussion of the health law last year, and a lot of states were very nervous about that because within those proposals, Congress was talking about uh, fundamentally changing how they pay for Medicaid and doing away with the expansion altogether. So now that that uh, those efforts haven't come to fruition, you know we're in a new year. That conversation from last year is on the back burner, and states are feeling a little bit more comfortable that Obamacare is indeed the law of the land and it's here to stay. And they're also looking at other states that have been getting billions of dollars in federal funding for a number of years now. And they're saying, well, maybe we should look at this too because we're missing out on a lot of money here. I'm Sean Zeller and I'm here with CQ healthcare reporter Misty Williams. We're talking about the expansion of Medicaid and how that's likely to accelerate, possibly, after the election. This is the CQ on Congress podcast, to which you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, NPR One, and SoundCloud. And please, rate us on iTunes. Back to you, Misty. Uh, which, in which states are we looking, where the election results might matter so far as Medicaid expansion goes? Right. To begin with, there's four states that are looking to, advocates in those states are looking to put the Medicaid expansion questions directly to voters. These are states where there have been legislative efforts uh, to pass expansion in the past, but either the states couldn't get there legislatively or the governor's vetoed. So advocates are looking, and this has already happened in Utah. The question's definitely on the ballot this year. Um, and then Nebraska, Idaho, and Montana are all looking to get that as a ballot measure. And that's really interesting because Maine last year became the first state to adopt expansion in a couple of years at least uh, via ballot initiative. So what you're seeing is advocates are tired of waiting for, you know, legislators to come around and do this. And they're saying, fine, we're going to go ahead and we're going to go directly to the people. So those are four key states to watch. Legislative races, obviously, at the state level are going to be really important to watch. Um, we just saw Virginia last month, uh, their legislator, le legislature finally adopted Medicaid expansion. And that was in large part because there was a lot of shifting in the last election. And it Created. Right, Democrats won big in yeah, their, their they, election, which occurs in 2017. Okay. Right. So, Misty, where do things stand in Maine? Because I know that the governor there had resisted this expansion and had not wanted to follow through with it even after the ballot initiative had been approved. Right. So Governor Paul LePage, he's a Republican, uh, has five times vetoed Medicaid expansion, which the legislature there passed, again, five times. Uh, so when the people voted, almost 60 percent of voters voted to approve Medicaid expansion last fall. And by law, the governor had to move forward with expansion. However, he has not done that. You know, months went by with nothing happening and advocates finally took the governor and the administration to court and the advocates won. So supposedly the governor, you know, will be moving forward in terms of actually implementing this expansion at mm. some point. And there's a couple governor's races out there, too, where this is an issue? 
Yes. Florida is probably a state that's in play. Kansas is a state that's in play. Kansas, actually, their legislature passed Medicaid expansion, but it was, as in the main case, it was one of those uh, issues where the governor ended up vetoing it. Right. Sam Brownback, who's now left, he's joined the administration, Trump administration. Okay. Um, And so is this coming up in campaigns? Are people running on it? I would say that healthcare in general is a huge campaign issue, and I think Medicaid expansion is kind of a subset of that. People are worried about uh, drug prices, but they're also worried about coverage, obviously. And there's been a number of polls that have been done with voters in various states that have shown a pretty big number of people are in favor of expansion. And in fact, the Kaiser Family Foundation just released a poll that showed that two-thirds of Texas voters that they surveyed were in favor of Medicaid expansion. And so it's definitely an issue that resonates with voters. It's not even considering it in Texas, despite that poll result. Um, So the other story, as far as Medicaid goes right now, is that we're seeing a number of states adding work requirements so that people who are who are receiving Medicaid have to go to work. How much of a change is this? Uh, have states not required people to work in the past to get Medicaid? There has been no, you're right, there's been no mandate that people work up until this point. There have been work requirements in other programs, in other federal programs, like food stamps, like temporary assistance for needy families or TANF. But this is the first time that we're seeing it in Medicaid. And it's a big fundamental change from the policy um, that has guided Medicaid in the past 50 plus years. Now, they've had to go to the federal government to get approval. They have. Which the Trump administration has offered now in what is it, four states, Kentucky, Arkansas, Indiana, and New Hampshire? Yes. So Kentucky was the first one that was approved for work requirements at the beginning of the year. I do want to note before we get you know much further into that discussion is that most people who are able to work on Medicaid do. So about six in 10 adults on Medicaid, they work. If so people who, unless they're disabled or they have another reason why they physically you know, are unable to work, most are working, but they are often in low-wage jobs with uncertain hours, for instance, that, and certainly jobs that often do not offer health care through the employer. So they are working, but not necessarily at jobs that are giving them health coverage. Okay. So what's the argument for adding these requirements then? This is part of a kind of larger push from conservatives. They believe that Medicaid should really be treated more like a welfare program. The goal should be to lift people out of poverty and eventually get them to a place where they can navigate and buy their own uh, commercial private insurance. Versus traditionally, Medicaid has been a health insurance program for low-income Americans. So there's a fundamental dynamic at play. But you mentioned earlier that how much Medicaid is a part of state budgets. It's huge. It's right up there with education at the top of the list. So might this also be about cutting costs? Many of the experts I have talked to say absolutely. There's definitely a cost-saving component of this. Um, Kentucky, for instance, you know, they don't say this is their main motivation, obviously, but Kentucky has estimated with their work requirements that it'll lead to almost 100,000 fewer people being on the rolls. And they say that that's going to save the state 
$2.5 billion over a number of years. So there's definitely, you know, uh, savings and, you know, cutting state budgets component to this and trying to keep Medicaid spending under control. So, Misty, Kentucky is leading the way here, but there's a lawsuit, right? There's a, yes. People are challenging these work requirements in can- Kentucky. Yes. So there is a class action lawsuit with more than a dozen Kentuckians um, that are being represented by uh, three different advocacy groups. They're actually suing the Trump administration, and they're saying that the Secretary of Health and Human Services does not have the authority to approve such a drastic fundamental change in the program that they see as uh, basically a new eligibility criteria. And they say something that big you know, that needs to be done by Congress and that needs to be approved by Congress. So today, actually, that uh, case is the is going to have their first uh, arguments here in federal district court in Washington, D.C. Although there's probably not going to be a decision today, both sides of the case want this to get wrapped up pretty quickly. And so they're hoping to see a decision here in the next couple of weeks because Kentucky is actually set to begin rolling out its work requirements on July 1st. So there's a big time component here, and there's going to be a lot of people on either side watching closely to see what this judge does. All right, and we will look forward to your coverage of that. Misty, thank you for coming on our show. Thank you so much. I am Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at RollCall.